This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the Auction Community Studio for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. It's already been a crazy uh, day around the NBA. Cody, so here's the goal for today, all right? To get through the next two hours without the Suns game tomorrow getting postponed. So far, it is still on. Let's just embrace sports for, for the beauty of what they are as long as we have them. Every game, let's enjoy them. And uh, let's start by complaining about that game last night against the uh, Washington Wizards because I don't know what just happened to the Phoenix Suns last night. Seven and four on the season, so you don't want to sound the alarms and be like, okay, this team has all these issues because they don't. But seven and four is, you know, oddly similar to how they started last season. Now they look different, but we all know how last season turned out outside of the bubble. I mean, they went into the bubble as not a great record. You know, it was, they were they stumbled through most of last season after a hot start. I don't think that's going to happen this year. But we should point out they've dropped three of their last five. Monty Williams has voiced some displeasure slash concern. We're going to hear from Kellen Olsen in about a half hour. We're going to talk to him, get his thoughts on, on what exactly uh, is is going on with this team right now. I don't want the conversation to be about DeAndre Ayton too much. But when he has games like he did last night, it's almost irresponsible to not talk about DeAndre Ayton in the context of the Sun. So that's going to come up. Um, Just in general, though, last night was sort of a strange game. It should be pointed out, there have been a lot of strange games around the NBA this season. Uh, we What, the Clippers were down by like 50 at one point in a game earlier this year. We've seen... Milwaukee, all of their games are either blowout wins or losses if you go look at their schedule. We knew this was going to be a strange season. We didn't know exactly how it was going to manifest itself. I think we all sort of figured, including Adam Silver, that there were going to be situations like what the league is dealing with right now where games are getting postponed or pushed back or whatever, and they're going to have to sort of toe a fine line, and we'll get into that throughout the show, certainly. In case you missed it, Washington, who just played the Suns last night, their game tomorrow has been postponed because they're dealing with uh, some potential COVID issues or concerns or however you want to word it, health and safety protocols or contact tracing. So Washington's not playing tomorrow. And again, they just played the Suns last night. So let's see where this goes. But, um, you know, aside from that, you knew there were just going to be some odd variables that none of us could really predict. And I, it's becoming apparent now through the first three-ish weeks of the season that one of those is that we're just going to see some lopsided wins for teams that aren't that great. Like, if you look at the Washington Wizards, they've got Bradley Beal, who is <laughs> playing like he wants to win the scoring title this season, and he might. Russell Westbrook, who didn't play last night, and not much else. Denny Avdia, the rookie. You know, that's something, I guess, to watch if you're Washington. But they've started the season 3-8. and eight. Uh, They're now playing without pieces in the front courts. Now they're playing without pieces all over the place because of, of the, uh, the COVID issues. But that's a game last night that for the first time this season sort of felt like, oh, this is the Suns from, you know, last year or two years ago. And we can't expect them to just all of a sudden be this new team for all 72 games this year. But last night was just, if you are a Suns fan, you've been watching this team closely for years and years, you know, you have your, your finger on the pulse of like, okay, this team is getting better. They're going in the right direction. They should be a playoff team this year. I still think they will be. But you got to talk about losses when you've lost three out of five, especially when two of them are to Washington and Detroit, who are not good teams. Last game felt like a game they would have lost last year or the year before. Not this year. This year, that's a team... You should beat. We're not going to get on you if you lose to the Clippers or the Bucks or the Celtics if they're at full strength or even the Lakers. I mean, we are because we're going to be frustrated you lost to the Lakers. But the Wizards and the Pistons really on Friday night. Like We didn't talk about that because it was on Friday night. Those are games where you can't. You can't give those back. Not in the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference games are supposed to be the easier ones. And like I said, we're going to talk to Kellen Olsen 
and DeAndre Ayton's going to come up. But what's frustrating right now about Ayton is he looks like a rookie again. Like, he looks like a guy that went in the first round, but a rookie. He doesn't look like a number one overall pick in his third year. So, you know, take take last night, and, and you can isolate it and say, okay, you know, big deal, eight points, six rebounds. Okay, so he had an off night. Minus 23 is quite an off night. But either way, he had an off night. Yeah, they're not asking him to go out there and put up 26 points a night. I think they've sort of accepted that's not going to be DeAndre Ayton, but also... They've built their team in such a way where they don't need that to be DeAndre Ayton. But they do need him to block shots and just be a presence around the rim. DeAndre Ayton should never have less than 11 rebounds in a game. I mean, I'm just throwing out a number, but that's it's a legitimate number. Like, look at Andre Drummond with the Cavs. The Cavs have nothing to play for. Drummond it, it puts up like 18 rebounds a night, it feels like. Be that guy if they're not asking you to score a lot. And the blocks, he had one last night. He's got to be a presence defensively for this team to have success. He doesn't have to go out and score a ton of points. They have other guys that can do that. But in that three-game road trip, he had 30 total points. And he wasn't that presence defensively consistently. Sometimes he is. I understand that when I'm talking about DeAndre Ayton to Suns fans, I'm talking to two very different audiences. There's the half that's like, no matter what he does... He's amazing. He was the number one overall pick, and that makes him the greatest player ever. And then there's the other half, or maybe it's more than half, that's like, this guy is making me rip my hair out because he's okay, but he's not nearly as good as he needs to be when we finally got a number one pick for the first time in 50 years and spent it on him, and he's just okay. Going forward, starting with this season, I feel like we all kind of agreed, like, okay, maybe don't look at him through the lens of number one overall pick. The Suns probably should. And they're going to try and get everything out of him they can. But let's look at him through the lens of ask him to do what you need to do for this team to win. At the end of the day, that's what matters. You've got pieces around him that are good enough to win games. But he's not pulling his weight in that area consistently. And it's only 11 games. It's early. It's going to take some time. But it's also his third season. And this season's not like 150 games. 11 games is already more than a seventh of the season. And... You know, a big performance by DeAndre Ayton, maybe they beat the Pistons on Friday. Or a big performance by DeAndre Ayton last night, and maybe that game doesn't get out of hand. I mean, maybe there's nothing he could have done last night, but they didn't hit any three-pointers. The other thing, too, before we move on from this, in his last nine games, this one just, this is maddening to me. Ayton's attempted 14 free throws in nine games. He should be one of those guys that you can't necessarily guard without fouling him. I get he's a big man. He might not make his free throws at a great clip, and then maybe that's something the Suns would adjust, and other teams may say the best way to stop him is to foul him. He attempted three free throws on the entire road trip. And those 14 free throws over the last nine games, seven of them came in the game against the Clippers. So what, the other eight games he's attempted seven free throws? That can't happen. I'm not saying he's only made seven free throws. He's only attempted seven free throws. They need more from him. Now, last night, I'm not going to pin it on him. You hope, number one overall pick, he's capable of taking over games like that, but that's probably not who he is. But it's, I guess it's still a process, and the team is still 7-4. and It's not panic time by any means, but last night was frustrating. He he hasn't made a free throw since they played the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. On January 6th. I mean, you start to go through, and it's like, what, he's... If you take out that Clippers game, he's made four... He's made seven free throws since Christmas. Like, come on. (laughs) Like, get to the line. At least do that. Get to the line, block shots, and nobody should be able to get rebounds when you're out there. All right, let's uh, let's hit the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, if you heard the update at the top of the show, Sarah Cazell pointed out NBA protocols are tightening up, and we'll get into that more here in just a moment. But um, you know, the NBA is being forced to postpone games and move games around. I mentioned Wizards Jazz tomorrow postponed. We already, I mean, the Celtics, the Sixers have had issues. It's, it's to the point where like, oh, there's a game. Okay, let's get excited about this because they're definitely playing it. 
I think we all knew that this there were going to be games like this. I mean, there was going to be stretches like this. The baseball went through this at the start of the season. The NFL went through it at the start of their season as well. Different sports, different schedules. Um, the NBA, of course, is operating right around the holidays when a lot of people got together, and, and everybody knew this was probably going to draw up a, a spike in numbers. And the NBA doesn't have the luxury the NFL has of, you know, if you if you have to move a game around, there's only one game a week. And his teams are set to schedule. I think Indiana has five games this week. So, I mean, they haven't been affected by it yet, but I'm just using that as an example of teams that, that are playing a lot of games. So we'll see how they navigate this, but they are uh, they're facing some challenges right now. And those protocols are, they're hoping, at least, what did they say, for at least the next two weeks, uh, team staff will have to remain at their residence when they're in their home markets and are prohibited from leaving their hotels or having guests in their hotels, which is the headline every time I see the story anywhere, uh, when they're on the road. So they're going to be asking the players and team personnel to make some some sacrifices here, but obviously everybody's got to be pulling in the same direction because aside from sports, for them, there's a lot of uh, a lot of money on the line. College football season wrapped up last night. Alabama, a convincing 52-24 win over Ohio State. Not an Alabama fan. They've won six titles, though, in the last 12 years. And they go into these games against teams from other conferences, and they just obliterate them. I mean, that game wasn't even a game by halftime. It was a, let's see what some of these future NFLers on Alabama can do. And (laughs) they showed that off. So six titles in 12 years. You know, I've said all season long, college football had been hit in terms of, like, the integrity of the sport harder than the other sports, I felt like. But at the end of the day, Alabama clearly the best team. I don't think you put an asterisk next to that. I I mean, they were dominant, and they played a full schedule, and they were dominant across the board. And uh, college basketball, ASU, man, Sun Devils, so much excitement for this season. If you're a Sun Devils fan, you've got... You've got Bagley, you've got Josh Christopher, probably only going to have those guys for a year. And they just cannot, as a team, get on the floor. They've had games postponed and canceled because other teams have had COVID issues. They've had games postponed and canceled because they've had their own COVID issues. And uh, Thursday, supposed to take on the Oregon Ducks. The Ducks right now have coronavirus concerns, so that game is off. And also the U of A-Oregon game this weekend is off. All right, we come back. We'll get back into some of these NBA protocols and the situation that is now in front of Adam Silver and the league. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Yeah, the uh, the NBA's in a tough spot right now. We've had the Sixers and the Celtics dealing with issues. They haven't been able to play. The Wizards are now without enough players for tomorrow's game against the Jazz. No Kyrie Irving this week, just sort of separate from everything else because he's off doing his own thing. And so now the NBA is like, hey, man, if you're going to go like hang out with your family, you got to wear a mask. I mean, I just read you part of the protocols, and I'll read through them briefly again here. But the NBA essentially saying today, for at least the next two weeks, and I would assume this might go on longer because they got to get they want to get the season in. The uh, the league and the union agreed players and team staff will have to remain at home when they are in their home city and they can't leave their hotels or have guests at their hotels when they're on the road. I mean, (laughs) good luck telling that to a bunch of NBA players, right? You got a bunch of guys that are athletes at the peak of their game. You think they just want to hang out at home, but it's not Adam Silver's fault. It's not, this is the, the world we're all in right now. And if you're the NBA Obviously, your pushback is, okay, you cannot do this, and then we're going to lose even more money, and that doesn't just affect the owners. So it is a tough spot, but I think it's a it's it's a somewhat um, predictable spot, just in the sense that you knew that there you were going to have to deal with this. You knew you were going to have to. Uh, Brian Windhorst was on with, uh, with Burns and Gambo this afternoon. I thought he, he did a good job of shedding a lot of light on the situation. We're going to replay that interview a little bit later on in the show, um, but... You know, it's it's I don't want to say predictable. Maybe that's not the right word, because this is also unpredictable. 
But I don't think the NBA, and I would hope not the players, coaches, everybody involved with the teams, is surprised that this is an issue. You knew, uh, what do we have with baseball? It looked like the Marlins weren't going to be, it looked like the Marlins were like going to have to be contracted for a year at the start of the season. Then they came back, played, and made the playoffs. St. Louis Cardinals had issues at the start of baseball season. They made the playoffs. NFL, I mean, what, the Titans had issues at the beginning of the year, and they were, they just what got eliminated two days ago. So I don't think anybody was like, okay, well, the NBA said they're going to play. Everything will be just fine. You knew you were going to have to navigate this. I did like what the NBA did in the sense where they said, okay, we're going to basically, we're just going to put out half the schedule. And that gives you a chance if you have to keep pushing games to, at the end of the first half of the season, make up all those games right there and then start up the second half of the season. You have to be able to adjust on the fly. And that is... I have about as much confidence in the NBA being able to do it as I would anybody. But hopefully they can do it, right? I mean, this is this is a season that last night notwithstanding, and this road trip for the Suns notwithstanding, looks pretty promising for the local team and is setting up as a pretty exciting season around the NBA. But they are going to have to navigate this right now. And as far as the Suns, if you just want to look at it locally, the Washington Wizards are dealing with uh, with their own issues. They have Rui Hachimura and Mo Wagner in the health and safety protocols. And then when you start to get into contact tracing and all that, which the NBA has some pretty strict contact tracing rules, uh, when you start to get into all that, they can't play their game against the Jazz tomorrow because the Wizards don't have enough players. I mean, that's that's the other problem the NBA faces more so than baseball and football and even hockey. You lose five players off an NBA team... That's it. There's just the rosters aren't that big. So maybe you have to adjust that, but then where are you getting all these extra guys, right? Like if you're going to have a uh like a sort of a backup squad for each team, okay. <laughs> where are you getting these guys? You can't just go to LA Fitness and find like the best basketball players at LA Fitness and say, "Hey, guess what? You now play for the Orlando Magic." Maybe you can. The Magic aren't great. But I don't think anybody, I don't think Adam Silver is surprised that this happened. It's just a matter of how can you navigate it. I mean, look, the NHL season starts tomorrow. The Dallas Stars already have their first, well, I think, four games postponed because they're dealing with it. These these two sports, the NBA and the NHL, are they're facing uncharted territory just in the sense that they did everything in a bubble. And I'm sure that wasn't easy, but it worked out really well. And then also now, like I said, they're coming out of the holidays as they either start their season in the NHL's case or really get their season going in the NBA's case. So we'll see. But I made this point earlier. As much as I don't like the Lakers or the Dodgers, and I'm not even really a big Alabama fan, and and the Tampa Bay Lightning won in hockey, I don't have a problem with them. But, I mean, it's not like any of these champions that have been crowned so far are you look and you're like, wait, that team, how did they, you know, all due respect to... The Marlins, who we were just talking about. If they won the World Series, people might look and be like, wait a minute, maybe maybe things got a little bit thrown off competitively. Lakers, Dodgers, Lightning, Alabama winning titles here in the last few months. They are all teams that are right near the top of the league. So however they've done it, these, these sports have managed and these leagues have managed to still come out with one of the top teams winning the title. I'll right, we'll talk a little bit of Cardinals here. Cody, I haven't talked to you since the playoffs happened over the weekend. How painful was it? Like, did you find yourself watching Bears Saints being like, well, the Cardinals would definitely do better than Chicago is right now? Yeah, but you don't know that for sure. You don't. If that they would do better. <laughs> I, w- I would hope they would get more than the 100 yards Chicago had. You would, you would hope so. Man. The Bears have to be done with Trubisky, right? I, you know, that can't keep being a thing a buddy of mine's a pretty big bears fan and i was talking to him and it was just like before the game and i was like you know the worst case scenario for you bears fan is that the bears beat new orleans trubisky is like just you know okay good enough and the bears are like oh this guy's you know what he's amazing and they give him a contract like mid mid uh, this week before their next game and then he you don't want to be stuck with trubisky if you're the bears that team itself is not terrible they've got some <laughs> coaching issues although they seem to be keeping all these guys but uh, yeah, I, I just—it's not like the Cardinals deserved to go after the way they finished the season. But you see the team that got in over them, and you're like, "Come on, Chicago! At least like 
make it look a little less obvious. Uh, if you were going to, if you controlled the Cardinals pick at 16, do you have a specific position you would target? Uh, I would say probably corner. Yeah. It's because har- you don't know what's going to happen with Patrick Peterson, and yeah. there's not really. And if Patrick Peterson is gone, you only really have Byron Murphy left. So who else? Who else is going to be in the secondary besides Byron Murphy and Buda Baker? Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple mock drafts here. Looking at them today, it's just I, I hate that we're looking at mock drafts this early in January. This is this is why you make the playoffs, so we don't have to look at this stuff. Uh, but 16th pick, obviously, the Athletic has them taking J.C. Horn the corner out of South Carolina, and uh, CBS has them taking Tyson Campbell the corner out of Georgia. So at least a couple sites agree with you. Uh, what about what about O line? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of needs here, aren't there? Defensive line, O-line, wide receiver, receiver. If if Larry Fitzgerald retires. I really thought when they got DeAndre Hopkins, or maybe I should just say hope, hoped when they got Hopkins that we wouldn't have to talk about needing receiver again, but they do. You hope that because you would then have Hopkins and Christian Kirk, but then now there's kind of a question mark around Christian Kirk. Yeah, I and mean... You, I don't think, not obviously, but I don't know. I don't think Andy Isabella is going to work out. He hasn't so far. No. And I mean, if he does, you know, you're hoping at this point that he, you're hoping he can become a, a, a number three that you're not healthy scratching some some weeks, right? Like you don't want him to just be healthy and act. That would be nice. Yes. Yes. So, you know, you go out there and you get, you get DeAndre Hopkins and you're thinking, okay, going forward, you've got Hopkins as your guy. Maybe Fitz plays one more year. Christian Kirk can step up and be the number two. And then Isabella and, and Keyshawn can be your number four, right? But now the way the season played out, it's like, okay. You've got your clear number one. A lot of teams don't, so be thankful for that. But you don't know if Fitz is coming back. Kirk really doesn't look like a, a solid number two yet. And Isabella and even Keyshawn Johnson don't look like solid number threes yet. So, you know, it's funny how much one player could change things. If they if they got one legitimate number two through free agency or a trade or something... So it's such a shame Bill O'Brien's not still in the league. Real quick, what about running back? I I think it was Todd McShay that had them taking Travis Etienne yeah. from Clemson. Yeah, because you don't really know if they're going to bring Kenyon Drake back. It seems like they're not going to, and all you have in that room really is Chase Edmonds. Yeah, and Eno Benjamin, who we never saw this year. We never saw. Yeah, I don't know. They got they have a lot of holes to fill, which is not. What you would have expected when they were six and three. I mean, let's be real. Even if they had beat San Francisco or the Rams down the stretch and they had made the playoffs, they'd still have these holes to fill. But uh, Josh Weinfuss, you know, ESPN did a, a quick story on you know what what is each team's biggest offseason need, and uh, and he said wide receiver, and I, I I kind of agree with him, but I think you you do have to put corner slightly ahead because like you said, Bear, they may not even have Patrick. Peterson. They may only have Byron Murphy and you know a couple other parts. So my thing is, and it's always been this way. When I mean, you're picking 16, if my option is, hey, you can have the second best corner or the sixth best receiver, yeah, I probably am going corner or vice versa. But I think if if it's if it's pretty even, I think you may have to go corner and hopefully trade for or, or sign a, a free agent receiver. That's just you just need a good number two, and that pushes everybody down. And then Crick, Christian Kirk's a really good number three and. You know, either Keyshawn Johnson or Andy Isabella should be able to handle number four duties. All right, we come back. We will get back into the NBA, specifically the Phoenix Suns. Our own Kellen Olsen joins us next. It's the rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the home of the Suns. Home of the Suns. We're checking in with Suns nerd Kellen Olsen on the rundown. All right, Luke Lipinski back here with you. The Phoenix Suns are 7-4 and four this season, back home after a short but kind of rough road trip through Detroit, Indiana, and Washington. Joining us now on the Culture Automotive Group Sports Line is our own Kellen Olson. Kellen, how are you doing? How are you holding up here over the last uh, three games? I'm good over the last three games. It's been the last three days of the NBA that is worried more, if you get what I'm saying. Luke. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's. I guess let's start there. I mean, that is actually probably the yeah. more pressing issue at this point. 
you know, no no word that the Suns game has has been affected at all by any means tomorrow. But I mean, how worried are you that 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 we may hear something tomorrow? So to that point, the Suns just released their updated injury report for tomorrow's game. I didn't update just the injury report for tomorrow's game. It's the same as it was the game before. Campaign's doubtful because of an ankle sprain. Jalen Smith is out due to health and safety protocols. So no additional names on the injury report since the Washington game. Players get tested once to twice a day. Um, so that's good news. But at, at the same point, at the end of the day, um, as we've seen, the problem right now, or one of the many problems right now that they're facing, is that when there's a potential exposure and things like that, uh, these guys are playing a game or two or a day or two after they've potentially been exposed, and we know that the accuracy of tests isn't exactly 100% and then goes down the closer you are to the exposure. So some of these guys that have wound up like playing a game and then, and then actually tested positive because they, they did get tested the day before, but it didn't show it was positive when it was positive because those tests aren't as accurate as they will be. But that's what the experts say is that five to seven days from exposure is the most accurate uh, section you can really get at. So I, that's my way of saying the, the Suns didn't have anyone show up on the health and safety protocols list yet. Um, but they still could. It doesn't fully eliminate the possibility just because they went through a round of testing and it all showed up good for now. It's it's not over yet, which has been that's been really the problem we've seen the past couple of days. I think. Yeah, it's it is. It's frustrating, and, and you know, it's it's nobody's fault, but it is kind of like you can't at the moment feel too confident that any of these games are getting played. Because the other thing, I guess that that you have to look at is you know if you don't want anybody to test positive but if somebody does it's it's not just that guy right I mean the contact tracing could wipe out another four or five guys just in terms of being able to put a team on the floor yeah that's the that's the best point to make on this whole thing Luke if if I'm being honest because right now there are only I want to say uh the Associated Press story today uh, prior to Tuesday's injury reports coming out had 36 players right now listed out due to health and safety protocols but under a dozen of those, I'm, I'm guessing, are, are positive tests. It's, it's somewhere around there. We've heard about a couple like Jason Tatum. Uh, there are four on the Mavericks right now. But it has more to do with the fact that they have to do all this contact tracing. Now, the thing that we haven't, the information here, it's difficult to get sometimes. The thing we can't understand from the Wizards' perspective is exactly what's happening because their, their game tomorrow got postponed. They had Rui Hachimura and Mo Wagner added to the health and safety protocols list and were listed as questionable this morning. But now it's gotten to the point where there was so much contact tracing involved that they don't have enough guys for tomorrow already. So that would lead you to assume that someone on their team tested positive and they were exposed to that person. Now, who is it? We don't know yet until someone reports it. And, and because the teams are listing these guys as out on health and safety protocols that the coach doesn't say it, which is what the Suns have done, then we don't know. Uh, we don't know if Jalen Smith has po- tested positive or if he was just exposed to someone, so we don't know his timeline, really. Um, it, it's very messy from that from that standpoint. And the new protocols and, and, and bumping those up certainly helped today, but it's, it's an uphill battle that they're facing right now, and that's after they're really rolling down this hill already quite a bit. Uh, talking to Kellen Olson, let's let's go on to the court. Last night kind of felt like a throwback and not necessarily in a good way. I mean, Devin Booker went over 30 points, but the rest of the team kind of didn't contribute at the level they've been contributing at. You know, you, you're going to have some losses that you don't like over the course of the season. I would say last night and Friday certainly fall into that category. Right, yeah, it's it's a troubling trend right now for the team just because when you look at last year's team, part of what made it so successful was that they had one of the best starting backcourts in the league when it came to their net rating when they were on the court together. Uh, Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker, they outscored teams by over seven points per 100 possessions, and there were only about three or four backcourts that qualified, and one of them was like Milwaukee went with those Giannis lineups, so that doesn't even really count. Mm. Um, they were awesome, and, and the problem with this team thus far is that the bench is destroying teams, and Devin Booker himself, after the loss last night, said that our bench has carried us in a lot of those wins, and you look at the numbers, and they are very startling uh, in terms of how much better the bench is doing than the starting group right now, and the that is not how this team was supposed to go, really. I know we talked a lot about depth coming into the season and everything, but that didn't mean that the starters weren't going to be like the best players on the team. We expected Chris Paul and Devin Booker to kind of carry the load for this team, and it's really been the opposite. The the campaign, Dario Saric, 
Um, Cam Johnson minutes have been really important. And when we were talking about it on the Empire of the Suns podcast today, the point that I kind of brought up is that like the short-term fix right now is just for the starters to kind of be okay until that group comes in and those guys really change the flow and change the momentum of the game, which is crazy to put that kind of responsibility on a guy like campaign considering where he's come from the past year or so in the uh, career trajectory he's had. But with that being said, that's where they're having the most success right now. And there's just problems within the starting five in terms of flow and continuity and familiarity uh, that that's just really difficult for them to work through it. You want to give them 20, 30 games to the season, but we are 11 games into the season right now. and It doesn't feel like they're making a ton of progress together. You know, Monty Williams sort of hinted that they, they could make some changes here going forward if they had to. What what can he realistically do? I mean, he's the coach. He can do some stuff, but how much do you want to shake things up if you're 7-4? and four? Right. Well, you'll remember when they went through injuries last year and he tried a lot of different stuff. He even started Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton together, so I would not put it past him to do something like starting Dario Sarge and DeAndre Ayton together. Um, sitting Crowder for uh, for Cam Johnson. I'm, I'm not sure if he would go as far as sitting DeAndre Ayton for Dario Sarge. Just stylistically, and, and that's kind of the point you're getting at, is that stylistically none of the changes really make sense because Chris Paul, Dev Booker, and Mikel Bridges, they should not leave the starting lineup. If you bring out Jay Crowder for Cam Johnson, you're getting more shooting, which is good. But if you're looking at like off-the-dribble playmaking and just playing in point five and making quick decisions, quick passes, Jay Crowder is a better player in, in that regard than Cam Johnson. He's also a much better defender. Dario, I don't really know what you gain with the Crowder thing. That's sort of a wash in all those categories where Crowder's better at pretty much everything. And then when you lose DeAndre Ayton in the starting lineup, he is by far their best interior presence when it comes to rebounding and protecting the rim and just being a presence defensively overall. Now, now like as an interior scorer, I, I think that he still has the edge on a guy like Dario, but Dario overall right now is the better offensive player but you're still losing so much of what you need right now because, remember, when you're playing and starting with Jay Crowder, you're playing undersized. So can you afford to lose more rebounding? I don't really think you can. I don't really think that there's a move to make. I just think this this group has to kind of grind it out, and I do think that a lot of that really does come down to Aiden. I wanted to go through the whole interview without talking about him, but he did not have a good game last night. So I guess I'll just go big picture what do you feel like they are asking him to do this year? How different is it from what they – the last couple of years it just felt like, okay, DeAndre, you be the second-best player on the team. I feel like it's a little more refined than that this year. I don't feel like they're asking him to score as much, but what is your ideal role for him on this team, and, and you know, when does he start doing it? I think it's, it's more of what they're asking for him out of him right now, which is not really a bunch of post touches. You're mainly going to be running pick and roll. We're just going to have you rim running a lot, just dive, dive, dive over and over again, and then run up and down the floor when you get the opportunity to. I just see that there is just zero chemistry between him and Chris Paul in the pick and roll right now, and it's 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 problematic. And, and it's to the point now where Aiden, for whatever reason, he has regressed even – maybe even worse than his rookie year in terms of just his decisiveness around the rim and just making decisions. There was that play where he caught it at the top of the key with all that space in the world and took the jumper and hit it. I was upset that he didn't take like two or three dribbles and go to the rim, but a lot of other people were upset that he just kind of stood there and like made a fake handoff move when he didn't have to because there was no one to fake out. There were like multiple problems with it, and it just seems like he's – I hate to like uh, go down to like the mental road, but just like it seems like he's kind of in his own head a little bit, and it's it's very problematic for this team because he is a core part of what they do. And when Chris Paul, it seems like is trying more than anything else when he's on the court to get him involved, and when you're dealing with that version of him while he's doing that, I think that that can really be what some one of the results is here. I know that Chris Paul isn't playing as well as he should. I know Booker isn't. I know that Mikel is really the only guy that's meeting or exceeding expectations right now. But with that being said, that's like the main issue I see overall. And I think that that will correct itself if DeAndre can just build some chemistry with Chris Paul because, uh, Luke, Chris Paul is like one of the best point point guards and pick-and-roll players of all time. Mm-hmm. If DeAndre just gets to his spots that he's supposed to be, and Chris Paul is going to put the ball exactly where it needs to be, 
and help him score. He's just got to be ready for the ball. There were a couple last night even where he wasn't ready for the pass. It's like you're rolling to the basket with Chris Paul with the ball. you got to expect to have it. Um, it's been strange to watch. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too because there are certainly moments early in these games where it does feel like Chris Paul, and I know he's heard it, I'm sure, from the coaching staff and everywhere. Hey, you got to get DeAndre Ayton going. It does feel like in, the, in early in these games he's just trying to get DeAndre Ayton going, and it's supposed to be, you know, Paul helping Aiton, not Aiton holding Chris Paul back. So um, I have confidence in Chris Paul. I think uh, most of us should after the career he's put together. Kellen, great stuff as always, man. We'll talk to you again down the line. Thanks, Luke. Thanks a lot. That's Kellen Olson joining us on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line, Coulter Cadillac Tempe. Experience the difference. Visit com, And, yes, you can find all Kellen's stuff on ArizonaSports.com. Uh, you can listen to the Empire of the Suns podcast as well. All right, when we come back, we're going to get uh, some of the insight on what the NBA is going to do going forward from Brian Windhorst. That is next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here, Cody Fincher behind the glass. It is the rundown. It is the reload. We'll start with the Phoenix Suns losing last night in Washington, 128-107. to We're not going to dwell on that game much anymore, but it is their third loss in their last five games. Still 7-4 and this season, but I will point out they also started last season 7-4 and and then kind of went into a tailspin for a good chunk of last season before they hit the bubble. I mean... Their record going into the bubble, if I recall correctly, was 28 and 39. Is that right? I think it was 28 and 39. So, you know, it's uh, 26 and 39. So it, it's it's still early in the season. There's still a lot to be excited about with this team. We talked to Kellen Olsen earlier in the show, and I thought he said it pretty well. I mean, in terms of the starters, the only guy that has really met or exceeded expectations so far is Mikel Bridges. Now, Devin Booker you know it's going to be just fine. And obviously his line to meeting or exceeding expectations is higher than most players in the NBA's. Chris Paul is joining a new team. He's still been good, but he has also been tasked with sort of jump-starting DeAndre Ayton's career. So it's almost like Chris Paul's playing for two guys right now. Jay Crowder hasn't quite found his groove yet. DeAndre Ayton is doing some things well. It's not as it's not as clear-cut as people like to make it when you're talking about DeAndre Ayton. But if you are a Suns fan that's just like, ah, everything's fine with Ayton, people need to calm down. No, that's not what a number one overall pick should look like. And, you know, we were looking during the break. If you redraft that that 2018 class, I'm not going to go through and list all these players on other teams that are better than DeAndre Ayton. I'm not going to get in that debate. But how about this? If you're redrafting the 2018 class, who are you taking earlier? DeAndre Ayton or Mikael Bridges? Because Bridges has been pretty good. And I understand, you know, different player, you're asking different things of him, but uh, I, you don't hear a lot of complaining from Suns fans when it comes to Mikhail Bridges. But overall, Suns still 7-4, and four, set to play Atlanta tomorrow. It is important to point out that even though the Washington Wizards are having COVID issues right now and their game tomorrow has been postponed against the Jazz, and even though the Wizards just played the Suns last night, nobody on the Suns has tested positive yet. So by all accounts, you know, at least at this moment, 7 o'clock on Tuesday night, the Suns are set to host the Atlanta Hawks uh, tomorrow, which would be one of those games, too, by the way. If we could go to games, it'd be great to go see Atlanta and see Trey Young. The Hawks are an interesting team. They've been bad for so long. And then they went out this offseason and just decided, we're going to sign everybody we can and put them next to Trey Young and see how it fits. And now they've got like 10 players and they're still working out that rotation. I mean, like Danilo Gallinari has, has been hurt most of the season, but they are an interesting team. And, and Trey Young is certainly somebody you would go see. I mean, you'd go just to see the Suns this year at 7-4, and four, but um, can't, can't go to games, obviously. And that brings us to our second story, the NBA as a league right now, is uh, is dealing with COVID issues. And so they have updated their protocols. And the uh, for the next two weeks at least, players have to remain at their home when they're in their home market. And they are prohibited from leaving their hotel or having any outside guests at their hotel when they are on the road. Uh, it goes on. All that's permitted in home markets for now is to quote, attend team-related activities at the team facility or arena, exercise outside, or perform essential activities, unquote. Look, not the ideal situation. None of us are in the ideal situation right now. I know it's tough to go tell a bunch of NBA players 
Uh, by the way, when you're not playing, you know how you know how you wanted to get to the NBA your whole life so you could be famous and you could live the professional athlete lifestyle? Yeah, well, right now that means uh, just going and sitting at home and working out with your team. I know that's not ideal, but like I said, it's not ideal for anybody right now. Everybody's making sacrifices, and if you're an NBA player, as much as that is rough, there's a lot of money on the line, and it's not just for the owners. It's certainly for the players as well, the salary cap and everything next year. They're already going to be losing some money without fans. It's um, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation with everybody making sacrifices, but hopefully they are able to pull this off the way baseball uh, and ultimately football were able to do college football Alabama wins the national championship again last night 52-24 they didn't even really toy with the Ohio State Buckeyes you know we've seen this a few times Alabama plays these teams from other conferences in the championship game and they just destroy them I mean the the second quarter is is what did Ohio State in last night it was 7-7 after one it was 35-17 after two so there you go and you know Alabama's not going to let a lead slip away Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winning receiver, the first receiver to win a Heisman since 1991, had three touchdowns in the first half. 215 yards, 12 receptions. Alabama, six national titles in the last 12 years. As much as college football was messed up this year and, you know, it allowed for a weird situation where a team that hadn't qualified for the Big Ten championship got into the Big Ten championship because the conference changed the rule. And Ohio State was in the playoffs having played, what, six games at that point? Uh, as much as, and that's not the only odd situation. I mean, look at the Pac 12, look at all the Big Ten starting later and all the games that were, all that stuff. Alabama finishes the year 13 0 and basically steamrolled almost everybody they played. So you can put a lot of asterisks next to a lot of things that happened in sports over the last 10 months. I would say more so in college football and college basketball than any of the pro sports. But I don't think you can put any marks next to Alabama's championship. They they were pretty dominant all season long. I think we could have played in a completely normal year. Alabama's probably still your national champion. And as much as I really am kind of sick of seeing Alabama win, the fact that they've won six times in the last 12 years sort of backs that up. College basketball, ASU, man, the Sun Devils are just... <laughs> I don't know when they're going to get to play games. They, um, they've, they had basically three weeks without a game in there for a while. Then they come back, play a couple games, look way out of sync, and uh, and now they're not going to be able to play Oregon on Thursday because Oregon has COVID concerns that they're dealing with. So Oregon postponing their games against ASU on Thursday and U of A on Saturday. If you're a Wildcat fan, it, it affects you as well. So the Sun Devils now, since that, that loss to UTEP on December 16th, they were supposed to have seven games. They will have played two of them and uh, hopefully able to play Oregon State on Saturday. Because, again, this time it's not an issue that ASU is dealing with firsthand. It is their opponent, Oregon, on Thursday. And uh, I should pass this along as well. The National Hockey League season begins tomorrow. Coyotes begin play on Thursday night at home against San Jose, who also plays in Arizona right now, at least to start the season. The Sharks have had their training camp up at the Ice Den in Scottsdale, so it's like two home teams, just like uh, Cardinals 49ers a couple weeks ago. And now let's never bring that game up again. Uh, and, and look, it's not like the NHL is immune to what the NBA is going through. Dallas Stars already have their first few games of the season postponed, and a couple other teams are working through uh, training camp issues as well. No other games, to my knowledge, at least not until the last hour or so, have been postponed. But Dallas, I think it's their first four games, are already being moved around. So it's, like I said, not just a, not just an NBA issue. It is different now for the NBA and the NHL because they executed those bubbles in the middle of the summer so well. I mean, you, you realize now... Not like we didn't realize then, but it, it takes it to a whole new level now looking back and being like, it's it's remarkable what the NBA and the NHL were able to do to have those bubbles and have nobody test positive. You didn't have to deal with any contact tracing, any of that stuff uh, when nobody tests positive. I don't think it's realistic to ask these sports to do a bubble now for a full season. I, it's just It just isn't. But, uh, you know, you see now the, the, the different path you got to navigate through and commissioners are earning their money this uh this year for sure all right we come back we'll play a little fill in the blank next little nfl playoff edition at least based on my questions for cody that's next it's the rundown with luke lipinski on 98.7 fm arizona sports station 
This is The Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. All right, we haven't played this in a while. It's time for a little fill in the blank. We've had, you know, our shows all moved around because of Suns games and both Cody and I filling in on the... Uh, the shows during the day over the last couple of weeks. Now we're back to play a little fill in the blank, and I can—I'll just warn you right now, Cody. I have a lot of NFL playoff questions. Okay, three of my four are also NFL. Nice. We'll see if there's uh, any overlap. So yeah, we've each got four incomplete sentences. We're going to throw at each other. Bear, I'll let you go first. I defer. Okay, I'll start with basketball then. Okay. Watching DeAndre Ayton play makes you feel blank. Uh, I don't want to say just frustrated. Frustrated is the word, but but there's whatever. If you could mix confusion into frustration, I, it flummoxed. Is it flummoxed or be flummoxed? Whatever version of that is the right word. You pick whatever you choose. Flummoxed. I'm going to go with flummoxed. I would say hollow inside. <laughs> Dunk the ball! Dunk it! Please! All right, so hollow inside for for Cody. It's getting to the point where he could even make the basket and I get angry. Yeah. Like, even on an alley-oop, it's perfect. Just, oh, he's going to slam it. He just goes, uh, okay, I put it in. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thought I had the other day. Having the number one pick is supposed to be fun, right? Not the season leading up to get the number one pick when you were last in the NBA or, you know, one of the bottom teams, you win the lottery. But once you get the number one pick, things are supposed to be fun. Watching the Suns right now is fun. Watching DeAndre Ayton is not fun. All right. I will throw a... I'll I'll start with a a simple one for you. Okay. Eight teams remain in the NFL playoffs. The best possible Super Bowl (laughs) matchup would be blank. That's one of my questions. Well, okay. We'll both answer this, and then I have another one for you. Okay, great. Okay. Um, It's got to be the Chiefs, right? Yeah, I think I would say, well, Chiefs-Packers are probably the most entertaining. Yes. The State Farm Super yes, Bowl. Yes, it would. Um, that would be really fun. I, I would put the Bills in there somewhere, too, because I really like watching them play. Yeah. And we, we have to get Chiefs-Bills in the AFC Championship, I hope right? we do. I hope so. I hope the Ravens don't screw it up. That's Which one of them is more likely to? Probably the Ravens. Cleveland's not beating Kansas City. I don't think so. The Ravens are probably more likely to win. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, your turn. Uh, okay. So the Eagles decided this week uh, Doug Peterson's no longer a good head coach and throwing games is bad. Um, so let's update this. The most attractive NFL head coaching head coaching vacancy is blank. I still think I still think it's the Chargers. Yeah. Um, they have a quarterback. You have a quarterback. And a lot of other good pieces. The other thing is they've been bad the last couple of years partially because they've had a ton of injuries on especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you are the second team in LA, but you get to live in LA as opposed to like Detroit. Um, you ha- yeah, you have Justin Herbert. I mean, I guess you're going to say Jacksonville would have Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I, the I mean, Jets could have Justin Fields. Or yeah, something. You're, you're hoping Trevor Lawrence at this point. You're hoping he becomes Justin Herbert, though, right? right exactly. I mean, I understand he was a lot better in college and, and good right away. Yeah, honestly. The Eagles might be on the lower part of the totem pole here because whatever head coach goes in there has to be a part of the, well, Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts. And then if they decide Jalen Hurts, they have to be a part of trading Carson Wentz. It sounded like, I don't don't know if you heard this today, but getting rid of Doug Peterson all of a sudden ratcheted up the percentage that they're going to keep Carson Wentz now. So I'm sure that makes oh, Eagles fans He's gone? Okay, great. I saw a quote that said Doug Peterson was just being was just tired of people telling him what to do. Hmm. So apparently he got tired of having a job, which is exactly... <laughs> a, a job is literally that, yes. dude. A job is having people tell you what to do. Except if you're Bill Belichick or I guess Andy Reid in yeah. Kansas City. Then, but Then nobody's telling you what to do. Um, all right. Blank delivered the worst playoff performance this past weekend. It could be player, team, whatever. Um, I would... 
I would have to go with the Bears. That game wasn't really competitive. Yeah, they looked like they just kind of were... They looked like they knew they shouldn't be there, if that makes sense. Like, they didn't want to have Trubisky try anything. Right. I know he had one a pass that, that could have been a touchdown that wasn't his fault. He also had an interception that they dropped. I mean, it's... And you could just see the Bears are like, okay, we're going to win this game without letting our quarterback ever throw. Right, exactly. I mean, other than that, I thought about just for a second Big Ben, but he threw for like 500 yards and four touchdowns or whatnot, but he still had four bad picks. The Steelers just... I'll tell you who had the worst performance. The first quarter, Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. That was just awful. The replay awful. is on in the studio right now, and it is 28-7 to 7 in the second quarter. Oh, my God. Cleveland just, before before I could even turn that game on, it was 14 nothing. And then, like, I turned it on. We were getting food. It was 21 nothing. And then, like, sat down with the food, and it was 28 nothing. I was like, okay. Well, well I guess there's nothing to watch. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of made it close in the second half, but... Look, it was already I, over. I am a big Mike Tomlin fan. I have no idea why he punted when it looked like they may actually come back. I think if the Steelers had come back to win that game, the Browns probably would have taken a year off next year. All right, your turn. All right. Deshaun Watson will play with the blank next season. Oh, this is a good one. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to say the 49ers because I don't want to put that out there. How about can I just say this? Not the Texans. I just sure. I, I it's wonder whatever you want. It's <laughs> sounds like disappointment in my answer. Um, did, did you see what Andre Johnson tweeted today? Yeah. Did you see what DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> yeah. tweeted? When Dre speaks, you listen. <laughs> Deshaun uh, Andre Johnson tweeted it for if anyone didn't see it. If I'm at Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. The Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Easter Easterby, I don't even know. Easterby has walked into the building. Nothing good has happened in slash for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. <laughs> Pathetic three exclamation points. I tell you what, Ooh. man. You, you, That's probably their best player in franchise history. Yep saying that. And if he's not their best player in franchise history, then that's DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, or Deshaun Watson. and Who are all angry. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins is still angry. <laughs> and, I mean, Deshaun Watson, if, if you believe the, uh, the stories, it's basically like they told him, hey, you're going to have some input on these front office moves, and basically just lied to him. And I tell you what, don't lie to people, and they won't be upset, right? Or don't tell don't, them you're going to do something, and then exactly, don't do it. Exactly. Don't... Don't offer him input and then don't ask for it. Yeah. It's just like, ugh. I mean, with everything that happened with Hopkins last year, you'd think Watson would have, a lot of players would have been like, I'm out of here. And now, he wasn't. I will say it's kind of weird that you would you would offer input to a player for a GM hiring. Yeah. I get like a coach. Yeah. A, a position coach, even, even a head coach and players that they're playing with, but like, why do you why why would they offer Deshaun Watson to give input on who they're hiring for their GM? That's kind of weird. I agree, but but the, at don't the tell same them you're time, going to don't offer it. Yeah, if you're not going to, you know, they offered it, so once, they're at fault. Once you dangle that out there, it's out there. Um, all right, blank best describes your optimism level that the NBA season gets played. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just write that in? Eh. Yes. You may have to define that word. But <laughs> eh, yes. With three H's. Eh, okay. So um, three H's. I don't know. Uh, I would say I would say cautiously optimistic because I think they're going to play the games. I just don't know where they're going to play them. <laughs> Are they going to go back to Disney World? Are they going to create some bubble somewhere else? Are they going to do what the UFC did and buy an island and have them play on the island? NBA Island. (laughs) NBA Bubble Island. Call it that. I would absolutely watch that show. Um, Do you have any more or did I take yours? Because I've got two more. Go ahead. I had four. You stole one of them. Um, I feel like that's how you win this game. Uh, You felt blank (laughs) watching the Bears in the playoffs (laughs) instead of the Cardinals. Uh, Hollow inside. (laughs) Hollow inside. Just, I just felt robbed. Yeah, in a way, like we should be playing right now, the Cardinals, and 
I mean, I, I know it's their own fault they didn't win against two backup quarterbacks, but still, it's like this this Bears team is playing this game. Yeah, at least if the Bears had gone out there and like looked really good, you'd have been like, all right, you know, we don't Cardinals maybe didn't deserve to be. Did there. you watch the Nickelodeon broadcast? Oh, you're leading into my next. Question. Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, well, but yes, I did. I watched some of it. Uh, I'll quickly say this: as far as feeling robbed. I kind of agree with you, except it is weird because it was it was the Cardinals' fault. So it's like you it's like you got robbed, but you threw your wallet at the person stealing your wallet, and then they're like, oh, "Fine, if you're going to throw it at me, I'll take it." All right, final question. Yes, the uh, Bears Saints game was on Nickelodeon over the weekend. If you could put an NFL game on any other channel, you would choose blank. Ooh. Oh, oh no! And oh, while you think, I will just uh, I I will relay that I did watch some of that on the Nickelodeon Cartoon Network would be kind of interesting. <laughs> Not, <laughs> yeah, it would. It Maybe. would. I watched some of it on Nickelodeon mm, because that that's game. A good, that's a good question. That game wasn't entertaining. National Geographic. <laughs> How about that? Just have a draft wandering around. Animal man. Planet. So, <laughs> Animal Planet was the one I was thinking. Uh, Sci-Fi Channel, yeah, I guess, would yeah, be interesting. Yeah. Cartoon Network is a good answer, though. I mean, the Cooking Channel, I guess. Yeah. Guy Fieri, and he's into Flavor Town. <laughs> Anywhere within the uh, the red zone is actually Flavor Town on, <laughs> on the Food Network. Yeah, I mean those those have to be the main ones, right? Yeah. Cartoon Network would be good. That would be that game. That game needed it. I flipped over just in time to see the slime cannons, and I was like, I'm probably going to watch the rest of the game on this channel. They were just making, like, SpongeBob puns, and that's just right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think I was... love SpongeBob. I could still, I could probably still watch, like, not now. The new seasons of SpongeBob and episodes are stupid. Yeah. But, like, I could watch the older ones when I was younger and still laugh at them. They're still on. I mean, after the game, Nickelodeon was running, like, eight <laughs> hours of SpongeBob. <laughs> So they know what the people want. All right. That was fill in the blank. Coming up, we're going to hear uh, from Eddie Johnson. He was on with Bickley Murata this afternoon. We'll get deeper into what, uh, what, if anything, needs to change for the Suns here as they get set to take on Atlanta tomorrow at Phoenix Suns Arena. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Final segment of the show, it's uh, it's come up a bit over the last few weeks, as you would expect this time of year. The importance of having a good head coach for your NFL team. It's come up for a variety of different reasons. You can read into that whatever you want. But what we decided to do for our top five list tonight, top five NFL head coaches, and I, I guess the best way to phrase this, so hopefully this doesn't alter your list at all, Bear, is... Um, you're starting a team next year, let's say, going forward, right? So you you could have any of these guys coach your team next year. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? <laughs> you look like you're altering your list, and I'm like, wait a minute, how would that change anything? I would assume you don't have Vince Lombardi on your list, do you? No. Um, yeah, so top five coaches, and I know sometimes we do, like, top five, bottom five. Well, the bottom five, in theory, are not uh, with their teams anymore. Doug Peterson getting fired the other day. I was looking through earlier today, saw a list of the top ten coaches heading into the season, and somebody had Doug Peterson on it. Not me. Not Cody. So, uh, top five coaches... You're starting a team from scratch next year. Not not from scratch like a bunch of college players, but you're just you're starting hiring a coach for next year. All right. Uh, I found this actually to be kind of difficult outside the top four. So who do you have at number five? This was difficult because um, I just thought about it. Um, I was going uh, back and forth between a couple guys, but I ultimately went with Sean McVay at number five. Okay. Um, Holy crap, what that guy does. And I see it firsthand. You see it firsthand, what he does against the Cardinals. The Cardinals have not beaten Sean McVay since he's taken over as the head coach of the Rams. Yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. Um, the fact that they have won... They won games where they that they needed to win, must-win games to get into the playoffs, and that they won games... Uh, uh, they, they, they beat the Seahawks 
this weekend with John Wolford starting and getting hurt and Jared Goff playing with one thumb. And it wasn't really a surprise, I don't think. I don't I don't feel like I don't know. I, I thought the Rams were gonna win that game. I wanna go back and find the clip. I randomly not randomly, but I threw out last Monday who I thought were gonna win the six games. And I need to go back and find the clip because I think I was six and zero. Oh, believe it or not. Which, you know, why would you believe me? Because I'm not playing the clip right now. And even if I did play the clip, it could just be a clip of me from earlier in the day. Sure. So. Sure thing, Luke. Uh, Whatever. I will see your Sean McVay, and I will go with Sean McDermott oh. as my number five of the top That's five. That's a good choice. Sean oh, by Nicks. the way, the, the guy I was going back and forth between was Sean Payton oh. and Sean McVay. So, so this is an all Sean Sean, list. Sean, Sean. Uh, you know what? I will tell you, I was going between Sean McDermott and Sean Payton. <laughs> so sorry, Sean, but you're welcome, Sean. Uh, yeah, look, McDermott, I know, you know, there's a couple ways you can look at this list. You could say, okay, well, you know, if I'm building a team, I want an established guy like Sean Payton that's been doing this for years and years. McDermott's been around the NFL for years and years. He's only been a head coach of Buffalo for, what, four years? But Buffalo was pretty bad for a while. In those four years, he's had three winning seasons. And, I mean, that team looks like a machine right now. They didn't against the Colts defensively. That was a little surprising. But I do think there is something to the notion of you you got to win your first playoff game as a group. You know, that core group has been there for a little bit. You got to win that first one, whether it's ugly or not. And uh, and they did. So there you go. Um, now they have a tough game against Baltimore, certainly coming up. But I, I, yeah, I'll have Sean McDermott as, as my fifth. He's probably a distant fifth to the other four because he's not quite as established. But I like what he's doing. All right, my number four is Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, just forget that first quarter happened on <laughs> Sunday, but he is a just such a great coach, and I, he's going to have a job there as long as he wants it. Um, and just he's just been doing it for so long. The Steelers are always good, no matter what you know problems come up, you know, injury-wise or anything like that. They're always competitive. They're always pretty good. So uh, I would want, if I'm starting an NFL team or starting over with a new head coach, I would want Mike Tomlin. Uh, Number four on my list, you already mentioned him, but Sean McVay, I, I, I do think, you know, it's not just people that follow the Cardinals. I think a lot of people went into that game on Sunday or Saturday and thought, uh, the Rams are going to win this game even without a quarterback. You didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. Then, like you said, Barry, it was Wolford, but then Wolford was hurt. So then it was Goff, and it didn't really matter because the Rams win. And I think this is why a lot of Cardinals fans were nervous going into that, that game in Week 17. The Rams win because of their defense and their head coach. And it's going to be scary if they do make a move and get a different quarterback in the offseason, if they cut ties with Jared Goff. I don't know that they will, although, I mean, they clearly didn't want to play him against Seattle. San Francisco and the Rams, if they if they upgrade a quarterback this offseason, that's not great for the Cardinals. But McVay, I think I think he's four and not that far off number like two if you're just going by right now. All right, number three, I know he's on the older side, but still a really good coach, and I would trust him if he still wants to coach. Pete Carroll. Yeah. Um it seems like kind of like Mike Tomlin, no matter what happens in Seattle. They're going to be good, you know what I mean? Like, they were, you know, for, for so long there, they were identified by their defense, the Legion of Boom and all that. And then they completely adjusted as a team when they couldn't pay all those guys to stay. And they are now kind of identified by their offense and Russell Wilson. So, and <laughs> I hate to say it because I hate the Seahawks, but Pete Carroll... <laughs> just seems like the coach that can kind of deal with anything, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. kind of still hold the locker room no matter what happens. So I would, that's why he's number three. I, I think it's worth pointing out. I don't know who your top two are, so I don't want to step on those, but I mean, we both had McVay. You had Pete Carroll. He was another one I was looking at for number five. And honestly, another one I was looking at was Kyle Shanahan. So that's three of the head coaches in the NFC West. Uh, my number three is Mike Tomlin. Notice who are not. not but, uh, <laughs> so there's four teams in the what? NFC West. So who would that fourth one that? be? Um, Mike Tomlin, you know, I would just piggyback on what you said before. The Steelers are always good. Every season they are a, a playoff a team, or on the rare cases they miss it, they're at least a contender. And now, like kind of looking back on this team this season, just talent-wise, 
All the guys dropping passes with the running game that that really wasn't there. The fact that they started eleven and zero might be more of a reflection on Mike Tomlin than the actual. And remember, they had a really good defense, and guys just kept getting hurt. So it's like and big guys. They big also had to deal defense. with COVID this year on other teams. And yeah, with not yeah not at their own fault. You know, games getting moved and they didn't have a bye week. Yeah, for or they had it unexpectedly or whatever it was. So. How about this stat, which I know this isn't breaking news, but it's it's always just mind-boggling to me. The Steelers have had three coaches since 1969. What? Chuck Knoll, oh Bill Cowher, Mike gosh. Tomlin. Tomlin's That's been there insane. since 2007. Yeah, Chuck Knoll from wow. 69 to 91, Cowher from 92 to 2006, Tomlin from 2007 to now. All right, who you got number two? I have Andy Reid, number two. I do, too, um, so we can, we yeah. can both talk about so, it. So, I mean... That team, even before Patrick Mahomes with Alex Smith, was good. Yep. Um, look at the Eagles with Donovan McNabb and T.O. He's just, his offense always seems to work, and it's an offensive league now. So I know we have some guys that are defensive on our lists, and uh, but it seems like it's going the way your head coach should probably be an offensive coach. And if you're looking for an offensive coach, it doesn't get much better than Andy Reid. No, I mean, he's one of those guys we're seeing Eric Bieniemy get job opportunities right now, and he that should. That dude should already be a head he coach. He should. He should. Like, he absolutely I don't should. know, Like just going back to Houston and their stupidity, how have they not... <laughs> interviewed him yet i think i think i saw today that they are going to. oh about time yeah it's like oh wait there's a oh deshaun watson's mad at us guess we should interview an offensive head coach yeah a potentially great offensive mind who works really good with really good quarterbacks uh, yeah andy reed though i have always hated the argument when, when people make the quarterback argument it's just based entirely on wins because that's not there's a lot of players on the field but uh, head coaching, it certainly helped Andy Reid to get that Super Bowl finally last year. I would assume we both have the, the same number one. If it is Bill Belichick, then yes, we do. It is Bill Belichick. When you said you... Bill, I was thinking you were going to say Bill O'Brien. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Bill Belichick. I mean, I mean if you're trying to, to negotiate a trade with him, then <laughs> and you want him on another team, sure. Well, how bad is that if you go to dial up Bill O'Brien and your phone corrects to Bill He's Belichick? He's going to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama. I can't. I can't wait to see how he's going to trade uh, somebody to LSU. <laughs> he would trade Devonte Smith for yeah, nothing. A backup running back. All right, it's going to do it for us. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks to you for listening to the Rundown, 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.